so thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Nailed it. <laughs> Hello, people. Let's, let's, let's sing this song called Turn Up the Music by Point of Grace. It's kind of an old song, but it has a good, has a good message. Lots of wishes. Have what you want, but want what you have. And don't spend your life looking. Turn up the music, turn it up loud, take a few chances, let it all out, you won't regret it, looking back from where you It's not what you did, it's how you live. It really is, too. It really is how you live. So go to the ball games and go to the ballet. Go see your folks more than just on the holidays. Kiss all your children, dance with your wife, tell your husband you love him every night. I love that line. It's a great line. Just face it and you'll be okay. Turn up the music. Turn it up loud. Take a few chances. Let it all out. You won't regret it. Looking back from where you have been Cause it's not who you knew And it's not what you did It's how you live How are you living, people? Hmm? Oh, wherever you are Wherever you've been Now is the time Even when you don't think that you can Cause all that you do is bound to come back to you To think of your fellow man Yep And make peace with God And make peace with yourself Cause in the end There's nobody else Turn up the music, turn it up loud, take a few chances, let 
The video for this song's really good. Yeah, it is. All right, so I'm probably the only online internet show that hijacks Christian media. <laughs> Just to sing for the, the pure joy of it, you know? <laughs> and, and am I singing all the new songs? No, I'm not, because I'm not really up on the new songs. Shows you my age, doesn't it? Eh, Sunny, I'm getting old. Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, that's supposed to be funny. Hopefully, yeah, some of you are going, yeah, you are. You're so old, Stacy. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm not that old, but <sighs> I am into my 50s. Yeah, I'm limping along through the 50s. Actually, you know, I hadn't heard this song in, I don't know, probably about, hmm, I'm going to say about three years, maybe. Um, and why it came into my mind today was because um, I was thinking about pickleball. You know, my, my love, pickleball. I love pickleball. <laughs> so much so that I wrote a book about it. And I still have not used my new pickleball paddle yet, people. I haven't used it yet. <clears throat> but I love pickleball. And uh, I should just tell you that this is my new birthday present, which my birthday was on the 9th and it's the 24th and I still have not used this. That tells you something. Yeah, it does. It tells you that I'm being very self-disciplined and not playing because I'm trying to make sure when I go back to play, I don't have to stop playing again. And so all of you out there who've been praying for me and asking me how I'm feeling and all that, I want you to know I'm feeling great. I am feeling really good. God has been so good. I've been going to chiropractor. I've been feeling really good. Um, very little pain now when I turn my head. Um, and, um, even today I woke up and I turned my head. I was like, wow, that pain is gone. Thank you, Jesus. It's gone. Uh, but I've been very disciplined and not trying to do something stupid. So, so when I go back and play, I'm going to go play and I'm going to have fun. But anyway, so I, I bring that up because one of the singers from Point of Grace, I met at Pickleball. <laughs> here at where I play pickleball. She was here with her husband and, um, anyway, and we became, you know, acquaintances anyway, because here in Nashville, you know, you can't swing a cat without meeting somebody famous or somebody in the media or somebody who's got connections to somebody. Um, and, uh, and I just remember that song when I, um, first met them, I was like, Oh, it's a great song. I like that song. You guys like that song? Say hi if you like that song. By the way, hi everybody who's here, wherever you're at. Thank you for coming in. Um, and speaking of pickleball, um, I have made a commitment to get my book, Pickleball Faith, done. I don't care what it's going to take. I am having this thing out by Christmas. I am going to have it out by Christmas. You can buy it and get a Christmas gift for somebody you love who loves pickleball. I This is my promise to you. I am declaring it right now on October 24, 2020. I've been writing this book for two years, and I've had various things stop me. Um, and, uh, and, and now, today, as of today, I got two months to finish this book to get it to you so that you can go, oh, that's what she's been talking about all this time. So it will be done. Barring any Amazon disaster with printing, okay? That is my one caveat. But I will have it submitted. It will at least be available on Kindle and Nook and all those places, hopefully, um, by Christmas. So, Pickleball Faith. Let me tell you a little bit about it in case you forgot and you're new and you don't know who I am and blah, blah. So, I decided um, 
couple of years ago to start writing. I had this idea, okay, um, to kind of do a Bible study, actually, about, you know, certain life lessons in pickleball. Because uh, if you're like me, everything's a biblical lesson. <laughs> I mean, it's like I can look at this bottle of water. It's almost empty, and I could come up with a Bible lesson from it. I'm just, I just can you know, I can, I have some makeup sitting here on my, I, I could give you a Bible. Le- I can just tell you, I could, uh, I could do a Bible lesson. In fact, I dare you to throw out a word or something. I could throw out a Bible lesson with it. It's just a gift, right? So, um, pickleball though, uh, this, so I started writing this book and it ended up being, it ended up turning into something that wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And frankly, it felt very vulnerable and I was really afraid to share the contents with my friends, especially the ones at Pickleball, because it's a lot of the, my interaction with my friends at Pickleball, but the different lessons that God has been teaching me. Well, I ended up getting brave enough to submit it to a couple of my friends, both men, men in particular. And uh, my friend Dean, who happens to be a former PE teacher at Azusa Pacific Christian College, he read it. And, you know, he was ready to buy 20 copies on the spot. He was like let's have a meeting. I want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and so he read it and he totally encouraged me, but then he gave me some stuff to add. And I was like, oh no, now what do I do with all this? Because then it felt so overwhelming. And I was like, oh, now I don't know what to do. And so then I, um, I was, I, I also shared it with another friend of mine who said, you know what, you really should make this a series, just not apply to pickleball. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, in my spare time, I'll do that. And then my friend David, who's an attorney, I, he, he's also play, plays pickleball. He, he read it, and then I asked him to, um, he wrote a forward to it, which made me cry. I was like, oh my gosh, you actually got it. You got that this is like my journal of what God's taught me during pickleball um, and faith, right? Pickleball faith. So it's not really a book about actual pickleball. <laughs> I know everybody's going to be like, I'm going to read this book to learn how to play pickleball. I might have a little thing in there about that, but really the book is about relationships. And most importantly, it's about your relationship with the Lord and how he can, how he directs you, how he um, teaches you stuff if you actually pay attention. What hindered me and stopped me for a while was that one of my good friends, Joe, died who was the guy that bought, brought pickleball to my community. And it just crushed my heart. I didn't know how to move on for a while. <clears throat> See, getting all choked up here after Joe died. I, di- I just didn't know what to do. And finally, you know, it took me about six or seven months to write about that in the book. And, you know, I wrote about it. <laughs> I cried through it. I wrote about it and, you know, and all that. And, and it's like, okay, so now, now what? Well, then the pandemic happened and pickleball has completely changed. The whole community <laughs> has changed in the, and, and, and so I'm trying to finish it up. And I think I got to end it there at the pandemic because otherwise this book is never going to get out into the hands of people that, that I think it will really benefit. And so just so you know, it's, it's not really about pickleball. It's about relationships and importantly, your most important relationship with the Lord. Um, cause if you know anything, if you know me, then you know, that's what I'm about. I mean, 
I'm a therapist, really, okay? I mean, that's <laughs> that's just what I do and who I am. And it's just in me, and I'm a teacher, and that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's who it is. So everybody can buy it, um, and you can give it away to friends. And maybe, just maybe, you could take up pickleball, too. And then you'll go, no wonder she loves pickleball so much. It's so fun. So, and, you know, look, if you have a day without any fun, then something's wrong with you. Because, you know, you really should have a, a little bit of fun anyway. <clears throat> so... I already have friends of mine in Legal Shield who want to buy it. I have, <laughs> I have people in different various aspects of my life who plan on buying this book as soon as it's published. So, uh, so once I get that up, you'll hear about it. But in the meantime, I ask you to pray for me because I need all the prayer I can get. Because you know, I'm me. Just so you know. All right. So let me say hi to a couple of people. Um, I see Tr Fun Guy. How you doing, Anthony? And Jonathan and Mia. And I don't know who else came in and out over there on Periscope. Oregon Okie Girl, I think, left. But um, a couple of people over there. Um, I don't know if anybody's on Facebook. Are you covering that bare face? I can. Okay. And I don't know if anybody's on YouTube. But um, <laughs> if you are, hi. There are viewers on YouTube. Yeah, you are. I think my YouTube viewers are... Jerry's on Facebook. I need one more subscriber to my YouTube channel. Jerry and a couple of people are on Facebook. All right, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. And I just need one more subscriber to have 500 subscribers on YouTube. It's just been driving me nuts. It's been going 498, 499, 498, 499. 49, and I'm like, really, people? Why are you unsubscribing? You need to resubscribe so I can get 500. Although I need I need 1,000 if I'm going to monetize. So if you just invite 10 of your friends to go like my, my YouTube page, then eventually, maybe in a couple years, we can go ahead and hit that 1,000 mark, uh, you, you know, get that done. All right. So tonight what I want to do is, um, in all seriousness, honestly, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really care too much <laughs> about the numbers, to be honest with you. But I do want to, I do want to to bring up a couple of things I want to share with you. It's just kind of in terms of the Christian world in general. Um, yesterday I had a story, and I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you it. Um, I don't know how many of you know uh, who Lucy Swindoll was or is or was, um, but she was the sister of Chuck Swindoll, who is a very popular pastor in um, California. I grew up really close to Chuck Swindoll's church, um, and Lucy Swindoll was a woman of faith, one of the women of faith that went out with women of faith uh, for many years, actually. She was a popular author. Um, anyway, she she died this past week. And so for those of you who are as old as me and maybe followed that for a while, if you didn't hear that news, um, then I know that maybe you wanted to hear that news because, you know, it's important. So pray for her family. Um Pray for Chuck and uh, everybody who loved her in that situation. Also, I want to let you know that there is a new article. I think it's new. Over on the Christian Post website. Actually, it was posted a couple days ago. Talking about Rush Limbaugh, who, who the headline reads, Rush Limbaugh clinging to personal relationship with Jesus after sharing stage four cancer update. Um, you might recall earlier this year that he was given, I think it was the 
Presidential Medal of Freedom during the State of the Union address that Donald Trump gave um, for his work all of these years in the broadcast uh, world. And there's nobody in the world who doesn't know who Rush Limbaugh is. I mean, if you listen to radio, you know who Rush is. I mean, he, he really is, honestly, I think probably the number one foremost conservative voice in Christian radio, in, in, in regular radio, not Christian radio. Um, and, you know, it's funny because um, I, I never really listened to him a, a whole lot because I don't tend to listen to anybody a whole lot. <laughs> hard to believe isn't it um but but you know he has lung cancer it's progressing to stage four and so you know if you care about him at all then i would just ask you to pray for rush limbaugh and ask the lord to continue to do his work he is a follower of christ his brother david limbaugh has actually been on my show a few times um and david limbaugh has been somebody who's been keeping the um you know people updated about it so in fact i highly recommend david limbaugh's books he's got quite a few cool apologetic books about um evidence for christ and some other stuff so you can just go to amazon or wherever you buy your books and look up david limbaugh's name and and um you know see what he has to offer in fact i don't think david limbaugh gets as much credit as he should um but he's a great thinker uh really really nice guy too so pray for pray for rush limbaugh Okay. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, Franklin Graham has asked for everybody uh, to pray and fast um, for the election. And last night we talked about um, how there are a group of witches who are targeting President Trump uh, and this whole election thing. They're, they're, they're boasting about casting a spell against him and you know i one of the things i brought up was that you know a lot of people are gonna think this is funny because frankly the media makes light of this stuff um but honestly it's not funny there's nothing funny about the about people dabbling in the occult and people doing the work of the devil um and if President Trump wasn't making some type of impact for good, for life anyway, at the very least, um, then these people would not be targeting him. Um, and, you know, what's really sad is that, um, is that unfortunately a lot of people make a joke about it. You know, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, in fact, you hear Derek's voice. He's my rollover intro on my, on my um, opening um, you know, one of the things that they they say in the in their um, opening on their show is is that one of the the greatest get one of the greatest tricks of the devil is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. Well, he does exist, people. He really does. And um, you know, it's clear to people like me who have the Lord. But it's not so clear to people who are darkened and have their, their eyes blinded. And we must never forget that there are people, as Twyla Paris said, who are prisoners of war. They are people who are, they're, they're captive by, they're captivated, they're captive, they're, they're taken captive by Satan. 
because they don't know the truth. And, you know, it's weird because I was having a, um, I was, I was watching a, a, a training, a leadership training today, trying to get caught up on a whole bunch of stuff today. And, uh, one of the questions that was asked was, um, what is greatness? How do you define greatness? Uh, what, how do you want your life to be lived as a person, um, and being a leader and all this other stuff? And my first thought was, um, what Jesus said, you know, cause was it James and John who were having a debate about it, Randall? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it was all the disciples and they are the ones that, um, they brought it to the Lord, right? They, they were the ones that said, Hey, well, I want their to mother sit. came yeah. and said, let, let them sit on your right and your left. <laughs> yeah. Now that's pretty bold people. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta love the character of these guys. You know, hey, Yeshua, just so you know, my boys, they're good. Do you mind if we have them sitting on your right and left in, in the kingdom? Huh? <laughs> good boys. But anyway, the point is, Jesus, you know, um, basically said, hey, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you gotta be the servant of all, right? And then he gave us a beautiful illustration uh, by washing the disciples' feet. Right. He went around and he humbled himself and he he modeled for the disciples what servanthood is and what greatness is. And dare I say that there are very few people who model that probably in the evangelical Christian media world today. Um, I can tell you, I was highly impressed. Probably, I don't know what it was, 10 years ago or something. When Randall and I went to Israel, I had, um, we had gone on this, um, trip to Israel and, um, it was a unique trip. It wasn't, we didn't go with any particular, uh, company, but we ended up having different speakers cover each day. And the very first day we were there, Kay Arthur, who is, um, one of the co-founders of Precept Ministries International, Kay, um, she was day one of our tour and she got us all on a bus and then we went on this tour all day. We, we spent uh, one wonderful day with her uh, as um, she taught us the Bible. And I'll never forget it because I watched her. <laughs> I watched her. You know, I was like, all right, Kay Arthur. <laughs> I don't know. I'm watching you. Um, no, I'm kidding. I didn't, I didn't really have that attitude. But what, what really impressed me about her was honestly what a servant she was. I was just floored by how she was, you know, helping everybody and, and being, being nice and polite to everybody. I mean, you, you shouldn't expect, you shouldn't not expect that, but I was just like blown away by the integrity of this woman, uh, who is now 86 or 87, something like that. And was just diagnosed with Parkinson's, um, so you can be praying for Kay too. Because uh, her, her desire is to die preaching. I mean, she just wants to, to like, she wants to fall flat dead as she's teaching God's word. Um, I hope that doesn't happen just because I think it would be traumatic to everybody watching. Uh, but, um, but, you know, she genuinely, um, to me, displayed true humility and servanthood. Um, we don't see that a lot. And that's why I think it's interesting when you look at culture and even your own life, you know, how much of a, a servant are you? How much 
how much of a giver are you, right? Um, BNI, which is Business Networking International, I think that's what it stands for. Um, the founder of that um, uh, coined the term giver's gain, right? So if you, if you give, you gain, right? Uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, you know what, if you do enough for other people, was it him? I think it was. If you do enough for other people, you'll get everything that you need because you've, you've helped other people. Um, whatever whatever the, the motivation is, hopefully, as believers, we're not trying to build our own kingdom here, but instead we're trying to serve the king of kings and have our life reflect what he would want us to reflect. And so that brings me to kind of the roundabout topic of, our, our, of this show tonight, and that happens to be um, how should a Christian vote and why is there a big debate now within the Christian evangelical community um, about, um, you know, some people are saying, well, vote for President Trump. Other people are saying vote for uh, Vice President Joe Biden, former boy, Vice President Joe Biden. Um, and it's been really interesting for me to watch this because I've slowly watched. There's unfortunately being where i'm at i you know i get to read um stuff i don't want to read okay i mean let's just admit it i don't want to i'm not a discernment ministry person i'm not somebody who's going to make this platform all about you know looking at the fruit of other people and calling them a heretic and telling you that they're not of god and blah blah you know and all that because it it it, first of all, because it discourages me. Second of all, because it, it really plants seed of dis, seeds of dissension. And frankly, I've stopped listening to a lot of these so-called ministries because I'm depressed after I listen to their stuff. And I'm like, this isn't edifying me at all. As believers, we're told to build one another up, not tear one another down. Satan is the author of confusion and division, not the Holy Spirit. You know, if you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Uh, you can find that in Galatians 5. And then you look at the fruit of the flesh, which is pretty much everything opposite of that. You can see where the fruit's coming from. And so if it ends up being in this quarrelsome, you know, unloving, boastful, arrogant, lustful, fleshly. If it's in that category then you probably don't want to focus on it a whole lot because it will kind of depress you. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, it will definitely grieve you. At least it should because it grieves the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all the good stuff, right? In fact, the Bible also tells us in Philippians chapter 4 what to, what to think about, right? Think about the things that are true and lovely and just, of good report, you know, and so on. So, we're told what to think about. We're told how to think about it. Um, but the question is, why are we so drawn to the negative stuff, right? If it bleeds, it leads. And that is the world standards. As a believer, though, what we should say is, if it bleeds, we grieve. Isn't that good? I just thought of that. I just, boom, that just, yeah, got to write that one down. If it bleeds, we should be grieved. We shouldn't want to glorify it, right? I mean, as a mature believer, hopefully you don't want to glorify when somebody falls. 
You know, you don't want to jump on the bandwagon and attack and say, oh, oh they weren't uh, blah, 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 blah. Because you know what? None of us is immune to falling anywhere, right? Be careful lest you boast, lest you fall flat on your face and have the whole world see you, okay? Just saying. Um, you know, I mean, today, I, I mean, this, this is a silly example, but I will share with you something today. So today I was um, having pro I was having an issue with a simple PDF form. You know, I was trying to fill it out and do this little Bible study and I filled out all my answers and then, and then I, and then I lost it all. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I just spent an hour doing all this homework and now I don't have it. I lost it. And so I emailed my friend and I said, where, can you tell me how to use this? Cause you know, I, I just, I couldn't fill this out. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, long story short, they wrote me back and they said, uh, you have to use Adobe Acrobat to use this. And I'm like, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't put it in the email. Normally I do. I was like, huh. And so I went and I checked the email. And sure enough, it was in the email. It was little, it was little print, but it was in there. And I was like, hmm, well, they didn't make the error. I did. I totally made the error. And so I, I felt bad. So I screenshot it and I sent it back to her. And I said, I'm really, really sorry that I, that I didn't see this. And, you know, please forgive me for, you know, not taking the time to be careful and read what you wrote in the first place and, you know, all that. Now that's, maybe that seems, um, like a benign example, but it's things like that in the believer's life that, you know, if you can't be corrected over something little like that, or get defensive or own up that you made a little mistake. How much more so something massively major that can really impact somebody's life? And yeah, I know people who would have gotten in a big, huge fight over that. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you're so dumb that you didn't do that, and you're right. And see, and I'd be like, even when you can prove them wrong, there are some people that are like, nope, and they. <laughs> like hold their hand you'd be like well here's the evidence you're like no it's not <laughs> you ever been there yeah you have I, I think we've all been there at some point hopefully as you get older though you you go oh this really isn't a hill worth dying on and um and all this and this reminds me of my mother right I, I love my mom my mom however was kind of a little bit um of a of a I don't know what the right word is, but when she had cancer, and it, this just popped in my head, the anniversary of her death is coming up very soon. It will be 18 years since she died. And I remember, and I think Randall, you might remember this. You remember when my mom asked us to go to the store? She wanted me to buy, I think it was Coke, or, or pe it was Pepsi. My mom loved Pepsi. And we had to go buy some some stuff, and we brought it home, and... I forgot what it was, but it was something like she swore up and down that she told me to buy something and I didn't buy it or something. And, and But anyway, the, the, evi the clear evidence was on the receipt that I had bought it. And she just was like, no, you didn't. And I'm like. Don't remember. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, you did. Because look, it's right here on the receipt that, you know, that we bought it. But I mean, she was just like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, yeah, you did. 
I mean, it's right here. <laughs> that was my mom. She, she, my mom, I'm very thankful that she became a Christian before she died. <clears throat> I feel sad that it took her a very long time, though, to repent before she died. Um, but, it, but she was one of these people who was, like, never wrong, even though it would be really, really obvious that she was wrong. You could, you could show it, like, here's the evidence, and she would never admit it. And I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is, you know. So all that to say, I'm going to share with you a couple of news stories that um, part of me hesitates to share because they're just sad but I think it's important because you need to know this is the state of the church and what's going on in the church so for many years there has been a very subtle shift in Christianity and especially in evangelical Christianity let's say there was an old guard of people like Dr. James Dobson uh, Jerry Falwell um I don't know, Billy Graham, you know, people like that, kind of the older guard. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly from Eagle Forum. I'm just trying to think of people who have passed and gone on. So there, there have been these powerhouse leaders who founded organizations that tried to motivate Christians to get out and vote, like Jerry Falwell, just as an example. He was one of the biggest people uh, in Christianity a couple of decades back that um, put out voter guides, showed people, like, this is where, you know, such this is the topic, whether, whether it was abortion, you know, finance, defense, whatever it was. And he would show the people who voted and what way they, they voted. And the encouragement was, look, you should vote as closely possible to what God says in his word. So, and, and the abortion issue is very easy. God says choose life, period. That's it. I mean, so, of course, you don't ever want to vote for somebody who's choosing abortion because abortion is murder. And even though the lefties like to say, oh, it's just a fetus, blah, blah, and they like to deny that, the reality is, as you and I both know and everybody else knows, that when somebody gets pregnant, that's a human being inside them because if they were left alive, they would continue to grow and come out a baby, okay? It's not like they would come out a, a frog or something. They would come out an actual human being with a little heart, you know, little legs, little arms, little body, a little head, and, you know, all that. But now we're seeing leaders um, who have slowly jumped from the pro-life platform which is what the republican party holds and they're saying hey nope you know what we want everybody now to vote for joe biden which is the democrat platform which is completely anti-life i mean they they believe in killing your baby from con you know conception to birth right and i'm just using that one topic there's a lot more that i mean you, you can look at the platform yourself right and so there's this article over on a website called um, Protestia. And the article is titled, Greer and Keller Join New Movement to Support Democrat Christians. 
Now, this is just my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. But my opinion is that the Democrat platform is anti-Christ. <laughs> I mean, it it advocates for things that the anti-Christ would, you know, literally, like death constantly, right? But anyway, so this article, it shows this picture. It says, for a generation, we have, we have not consistently or effectively taught Christians how to approach the political world, Christianity Today. It's no secret that Christianity Today, uh, the publication started by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, is working hard to get Joe Biden elected. Uh, they published an op-ed by then editor Mark Galley calling for Trump's impeachment last year. Galley has since left evangelicalism altogether joining the catholic church because they have quote five minutes unquote sermons by the way this isn't an unusual thing by the way there have been a number of former evangelical christians who have jump shipped and gone back into the catholic church why i don't know um except well, that, because they have five minute sermons well th there's that but i also think it's because of they like the the um tradition sometimes of it but anyway, it says here, Christianity Today's editorial staff is notoriously liberal, featuring regularly the wokest of writers, including Ed Stetcher of Wheaton College and Catherine Swallow Pryor. Catherine Swallow Pryor. Of, is that Karen? Karen, that's what I meant. Karen Swallow Pryor of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Two things are for certain. First, Christianity Today writers hate Donald Trump with the burning hatred of a thousand fiery suns. And secondly, they're trying as hard as possible to quote, create space unquote quote for a new kind of Christian orthodoxy that makes room for hate for God, hating pagans, baby butchers, thieves, racial agitators, feminists, and Marxists known as Democrats. The national association of evangelicals is a team member in this effort to move evangelicals to the left, but this is nothing new for the NAE. They were created as an ecumenical organization. By the way, if you don't know what ecumenical means, it just means basically, and Rick Warren really popularized this, basically means that all religions can coexist, right? You've probably seen those bumper stickers that say coexist, uh, like Chrislam, you know. Hey, Christianity and Islam are completely the same. There's no difference between them. and that's No major differences no. anyway. We can... <laughs> There's a lot of major differences, but... Anyway, um, but anyway, so the NEA or NAE, rather, they were created as ecumenical organization to serve as controlled opposition for, for more liberal American Council of Churches, but soon broke left after their original founders, including Bob Jones and John Rice, were out of the picture. Bob Jones, by the way, was considered a very far right um, advocate. Um, I don't know. I don't know who John Rice is, believe it or not. But anyway, um, its former president, Leith Anderson, bragged at his recent retirement that the organization has strived to be a centrist voice between liberals and conservatives, something that would have made its founders weep. Today, it's listed among organizations taking cash from George Soros's political money laundering organizations. Well, that tells you all you need to know right there. Along with American Awakening, a dark money-funded kumbaya organization that seeks to bring Christian Democrats and Republicans together, the organizations are launching a new program to either get Christians to vote Democrat or to be okay with those who do. 
The First Principles Project has been launched for the purpose of convincing Christians that issues like baby murder, sodomy, and theft are not big deals and shouldn't divide authentic believers from those who are who are all right with the democratic platform. I am going to say this, um, and this is another area, the issue of homosexuality and whether or not you can be a gay Christian, that is something that the um, Christian left, if you will, they advocate as normal and okay and biblical. Um, I completely disagree with that wholeheartedly on that. Anyway, it says here, the program uh, has the cooperation of noted evangelical leftists, including Tim Keller, Andy Stanley, Tony Evans, which kind of surprises me, actually. I don't, I'm surprised by Tony Evans. Uh, SBC President J.D. Greer and Rick Warren, whose sermons will be used with their permission to help broaden the tent of evangelicalism to make room for progressive politicos. The organization will brand itself as simply trying to help Christians be, quote, civil, unquote, and be nice despite political differences, but is clearly purposed to convince evangelicals that the Bible doesn't have to be applied to their worldview. And therein is the issue, people. Regarding this, Christianity Today editor Timothy Dalrymple. Dalrymple said, Whatever policies or parties we support, we should all begin from shared commitments on why we engage in public life and how we do so in a manner that reflects the character of Christ. Christ would beat Democrats within an inch of their life with a horse whip if, if not tie a millstone around their neck and dump them in deep water for supporting the wholesale slaughter of abortion. I mean, of the unborn. A press release from Christian Newswire says that the above-mentioned leftists, Greer, Keller, Evans, Warren, Stanley, etc., have prepared easy-to-use original videos, transcripts, outlines, and discussion materials based on the best historic and contemporary thinking to encourage a biblical approach to loving our neighbor. A review of the material sent to Protestia Protestia demonstrates that the propaganda speaks of justice in broad terms and applies the concept to welfare, reparations, and immigration reform, but not to the unborn. Do you want to, do you want, what's wrong? Do you want to go sit in Bareface's lap? Yes, he does. He but... does. He keeps running under. He just ran into me. My dog is, he's a blind little dog. Gross. You go over there, Bubba? Go ahead, baby. Go over there. Jump in his lap. Be a good boy. <laughs> He's a good boy. Yeah, he is. Would you go over there? You Go ahead. Go, go, go. Go, go. You got it. No, just jump. Jump, mister. You can do it. There you go. He did it. <laughs> I was telling him, you did it. Yes, you did it. He's blind. It's hard for him. <laughs> it's hard for him to see. So anyway, so... Um, so... I don't know how this makes you guys feel, but um, I think that this is hard, right? Okay. I guess Randall wants to show you a picture of Grover and him. And now for a cute Grover break. There he is right there. How you doing, Bubba? Okay. Well, anyway. Um, only on our show do we do this. I didn't this. want to do okay. it right that moment, but mm. no. since you called for it, right. I had to follow your lead. 
So here's here's my concern about this, right? My concern is that how do I say this? Christians um well, how do I put this? I know it's dead air. Um Don't worry about being diplomatic. Hmm. Um, don't worry, I'm, just say what do you mean don't well i'm not trying to be diplomatic okay. have i ever been accused of being diplomatic seriously uh i have matured yeah <laughs> i i have if you've listened to this show a long time you you have noticed that i have matured <laughs> uh okay here's what i here's what we're i'm not discussing i'm not discussing whether or not these people are saved or not right i mean there's a clear gospel message about how one must become saved, born again, right? My question is, how can how can an actual believer who really is truly born again support abortion on demand? How can that how can an actual believer who who is really truly born again not see the clear condemnation of homosexuality in Romans 1, Leviticus, and other places? Even in 1 Corinthians 13. If you read it very carefully, you'll see a condemnation of homosexuality in that chapter. Well, because they should be checking the book, but they'd rather listen than look. Hmm. Okay. Well, what are your thoughts on this? You're you're a you're a guy. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. With a dog in my lap. Um, I, I my thoughts are this is sad that it's it doesn't surprise me. Just like the article opened it's not surprising or you know it's it's no secret that Christianity Day you know has been this way um, but it's so sad that that was formed by Billy Graham I know but uh, there are people you know, out there who say that Billy Graham wasn't really a believer too so it's like really but I mean look at the look at the Ivy League universities all of them have in their motto or most of them have in their motto something to do with God but they've become godless over time, you know, you talked about the old guard and evangelicalism. True. Is they out, as they die out, you know, things moving, I would say left, but I would say godless, more secular, more emotional. Um, and it's, we're seeing it all around. And so it doesn't surprise me that under, under the guise, well, what... <laughs> What did the Apostle Paul write to Timothy about perilous times in the last days? And in that list is uh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And I believe the form of godliness is, yeah, they've got a name. It's the, you know, is this church or that church. Uh, they've got some denominational name. They... They uh, attend congregational worship on Sundays, but they're indistinguishable from, you know, the non-believer in terms of their worldview, their convictions, um, you know, and okay. You know, so, so yeah, let's, let's have any form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Okay, so let's talk about John Piper for a minute. Oi. Because John Piper has written an article, it's Christianity Today, or not Christianity Today, the Christian Post, which I honestly refer to as the Christian Compost, okay? I mean, because there's nothing positive over there. Um, 
and you can thank Janet Parcel for that term because, you know, just saying. Anyway, so it says, John Piper warns Trump's deadly behavior will lead to destruction in blistering post. Now, this is the reason I want to bring this issue up because I would just, I, I'm going to read this and then we'll talk about it. So it says here, John Piper has issued a blistering condemnation of President Donald Trump warning Christian voters that the president's, quote, deadly behavior, unquote, will lead the U.S. to destruction of more kinds than we can imagine. On Thursday, the influential pastor and writer published what he referred to as a long overdue blog post in which he pondered the implications of the 2020 election. By the way, I should tell you also that Beth Moore actually tweeted today, I think it was today, maybe it was yesterday, um, about how she supports John Piper, by the way, just so you can know that. I just happened to see that. Without mentioning Trump by name, Piper said he is, quote, baffled over the fact that many Christians consider the sins of unrepentant sexual immorality, boastfulness, vulgarity, facetiousness, and the like to be only toxic for our nation, while policies that endorse baby killing, sex switching, freedom limiting, and socialistic overreach are viewed as deadly. Okay. Piper, who pastored Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis for almost 33 years, reminded Christians that it is not a small thing to treat lightly a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death. He pointed out that all of these sins are mentioned in the Bible and are deadly enough to destroy people and entire nations. I think it is a drastic mistake to think that the deadly influences of a leader come only through his policies and not also through his person, he wrote. This is true not only because flagrant boastfulness, vulgarity, immorality, and, and that is facetiousness, right? Factiousness. Okay. I, uh, well, I, yeah, that's what I, are, I Okay. Are self-incriminating, but also because they are nation-corrupting. They move out from centers of influence to affect whole cultures. The last five years bear vivid witness to this infection at almost every level of society. Piper questioned why some Christians seem to be sure they are saving human lives and freedoms by ignoring the destructive effects of a self-absorbed, self-exalting leader. He suggested that when Christians act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person, they are detracting from the message of the gospel. The church is paying dearly and will continue to pay for our communicating this falsehood year after year, he said. Stressing that there is a character connection between rulers and subjects, Piper cautioned that when leaders modeled leader when a leader models self-absorbed, self-exalting boastfulness, he models the most deadly behavior in the world. He points his nation to destruction, destruction of more kinds than we can imagine, he emphasized. Par Piper acknowledged there is devastation on both sides of the aisle. Still, the pastor said he's willing to vote for a non-Christian if he sees there's enough overlap between the visible outworking of his character and convictions and biblical teachings. I will not develop some calculus to determine which path of destruction I will support. That is not my duty. My calling is to lead people to see Jesus Christ, trust his forgiveness for sins, treasure him above everything in the world, live in a way that shows all his, his all-satisfying value, and help them make it to heaven with love and holiness. That calling, that calling is contradicted by supporting either pathway to cultural corruption and eternal ruin. After publishing the article, Piper posted on Twitter that he won't be voting for Biden or Trump. That choice to write in is relatively unimportant, but the reasoning really matters, he tweeted. When I consider 
The remote possibility that I might do any good by endorsing the devastation already evident in the two choices before me, I am loath to undermine my calling and the church's mission to stand for Christ's exalting faith and hope and love, he wrote. I will be asked to give an account of my devotion to this life-giving calling. The world will ask, and the Lord of heaven will ask, and my conscience will ask, what will I say? With a cheerful smile, I will explain to my unbelieving neighbor why my allegiance to Jesus set me at odds with death, death by abortion, and death by arrogance. While some polls have shown the president's support slipping with white evangelicals, a poll from Pew Research Center taken last month showed that 82% of white evangelicals plan to vote for Trump. This is not the first time Piper has spoken out against Trump. In 2016, he argued Trump was morally unqualified for the office, citing his immoral behavior in the past and his ongoing unwillingness to renounce it as evil. The linking of the Christian church with the ruling political regime has more often proven to corrupt the essential spirit of Christ, he wrote at the time. In January, he warned Christians against loving patriotism, patriotism more than Christ, stressing that such affections should only exist up to a point and that Christians should never give them absolute allegiance. Never feel more attached to your fatherland or your tribe or your family or your ethnicity than you do to the people of Christ, he wrote. Piper bemoaned that the many horrible indignities that have occurred because Christians failed to realize that we are more bound together with other believers, no matter their ethnicity or their political alignments or their nationality, than we are to anybody in our own fatherland. In the end, Christ has revitalized all human allegiances, all human loves, keeping Christ supreme in our affections makes all our lesser loves better, not worse. So, Randall, what do you think? I mean, I have some thoughts, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, I totally get where he's coming from, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, and I'm not dis, you know, I'm not dismissing his his sentiment at all. I mean, every year it seems with each <laughs> with each election, at least every national election. We're given the choice of the lesser of two evils, and the choice becomes slimmer and slimmer all the time. Um, would it be nice to have a national leader that's a believer, you know, um, an undoubted believer, a repentant, spirit-filled believer? That would be delightful, but I'm not. I'm not relying upon a national leader to be a spiritual leader. Um, uh, that's maybe that's a defeatist attitude. I just, I just don't. Okay. See that. Um, and this at least... is this is coming from you, who who four years ago did not vote for Trump. Yeah, I now you have right. I have. It's it's more of a resigned kind of thing. I mean, I like that he's not a career politician and and that, you know, based on my understanding of where he's coming from, from a, you know, terms of government, you know, to drain the swamp, although I think that's a, a really big, you know, job to tackle. Um, and some of the things he's doing that are... 
defunding and deregulating, a lot of people are, think he's a monster for doing that. But if you understand uh, you know, this constitutional republic and get back to the constitution that the federal government has been you know has, has gone wide and deep in unconstitutional places it was never meant to do and i can't remember who it was mentioned the other day i want to say ben franklin but it could have been someone later that a government um big enough to give you everything you want is powerful enough to take everything that you have right and then we're seeing that um, we've got so much bloat and corruption and, and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't remember. Um, well, yeah, just, just bribes being taken and, and the lobbyist and, and, you know, when going back to the Obama administration and the affordable care act. We have Which to costs us a lot of money, actually. We have to, we have to, we have to <laughs> pass it. We have to pass it so we can find out what's in it. Right. What the what? I mean, no piece of legislation should be over a thousand pages. I mean, one. Right. I mean, one piece of legislation more than all the tax code. <laughs> more than. I mean, what the. So, okay, so. You changed, you decided to vote for Trump after not voting for him based on some of the stuff that has changed, right? Okay. Well, not some of the stuff that has changed, just that he seems to be a doer of his word. Yeah, he's he's brash, he's arrogant. I don't know for sure whether he's a believer. Um, he's not a, he's definitely not a, a spiritual figure. Um, but, but given, given his, you know, given his intent to, um, change Washington DC and having done some of that and clear by the enemies that he's made in Washington DC, you know, the post office, I was trying to, uh, think I was trying to find some evidence. Wasn't it the post office early in 2016 that had on their website that they don't endorse the current administration? I don't know. It was something like that. But it's like here here's how I look at it, okay? And I hear this all the time. I get messages from friends and and I have friend I mean, I play pickleball with friends on the left, okay? Pickleball be, even brings together Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know like during the debate one of my friends who's a who's a Democrat cracks me up. She she hates Trump. Uh one of my other friends completely hates Trump. Hates him. I mean, hates you could see the blood coming out of their eyes when they talk about it. I mean, as much as I didn't like Obama, I didn't hate him. Um, you know, it's like, whatever. Here's, here, you know, and I hear the arguments. Well, Trump is a pompous jack, you know, what? And he is, you know, he's, he's this and he did that. And he thinks women are, you know, he oppresses black people, all that stuff, right? Whatever, you know. I look at... Um, from where I'm sitting, okay, I know, I know probably more than most people because of who I have connections with, right? And I can tell you when Mike Huckabee was put up for president and Mitt Romney was also put up for president in that same year, the Christians 
in leadership in this country on the right, the Christian leaders who were supposed to be picking and using their influence for good, they opted to endorse Romney instead of Mike Huckabee. Okay? I know that for a fact. Okay? Mitt Romney is the guy who put into law in Massachusetts gay marriage in the first state in this country. He's father of gay marriage in this country. That's how the, those of us who know about that issue go on. He, he is the one that promoted gay marriage. Mike Huckabee, Baptist pastor, you know, Holy Spirit filled, knows the gospel, the evangelical Christian right did not endorse. Why? Was it because he was a bigger man? Because they didn't think that his hometown, Arkansas, or wherever the heck he, he was from Arkansas, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that he, he wouldn't appeal to the masses. And that Mitt Romney would, I don't know, but they lost, okay? I think they were the ones who ran against Obama, right? Right. So, meanwhile, Obama, and this is still a mystery to me, nobody knew who the heck he was. He was some senator in uh, Chicago or in Illinois, I guess. I guess it's Illinois. But from Chicago. Um, Who had, you know, not much of a voting record, who was a very well-known man who, who engaged in the homosexual community, uh, even people that came out and denounced, you know, exposed his homosexual behavior. You know, the media tried to drag through the mud and stuff. Of course, that doesn't get discussed or anything. And then we didn't even know if he was actually a citizen, right? Remember, I've, I had Jerome Corsi on my show numerous times uh, talking about all the evidence that shows that this guy wasn't even a citizen, Right. And oh, where's his birth certificate? I still think he was America's most illegitimate president in the history of our country, to be honest. But under a under Obama's leadership, racial um, division increased. The irony of it all, right? The first so-called black president that we had, I know that's kind of jokingly referred to as Bill Clinton, and technically Obama is only half black. So, I mean, it's like, well, whatever. My point is, is that the Christians in leadership, they had an opportunity to endorse supposedly what we all want, who are Christ followers, right? So they put up a Mormon, and a whole bunch of people thought, if you know anything about Mormon theology, then uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to be the great white hope, right? And that he was going to fulfill that prophecy that Mormons believe in, and and that America would be saved at last, because Jesus was going to show up in America. Well, <laughs> again... Again, uh, so meanwhile, fast forward. Now here we are, Hillary and then Donald Trump run against each other. Two great choices, right? Well, you're fired. <laughs> I mean, most people know Donald Trump from TV, The Apprentice, you know. Um, and then, interestingly, you guys might re- remember one of his 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 very first contestants on The Apprentice ended up in the White House, and she ended up. Um, what was her name? Um, starts with an O. Yes, um, I I can picture your face. Oh, is it Omaroso? Omarosa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So she's kind of long gone, you know, kind of out of the public view. But anyway, so then there was all this attack on Donald Trump. Well, this is his history, blah blah, etc. Blah blah blah. Okay, all right. Look, in the olden days, n- number one, if you look back to the olden days like before randall and me were even you know here like in the yeah, 60s and beforehand 
debates and things like that were all done on radio. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have the bread and circus of what a person looked like or anything like that. I personally think Donald Trump, Donald Trump is probably autistic. I think Mm -hmm. he's on the spectrum. I think it's obvious from how he holds himself. He's brilliant. He's a businessman. Um, And whether or not he's a believer, only God knows, right? God looks on the heart. We, we, We can't. You can look at his fruit, though, and what he's done. And I've stated numerous times, I don't know if we can trust him or not. But if I look at the Republican platform and I look at the Democratic platform, if you just look at the written platform and dismiss those goons who are representing well, it, right, then you vote for the platform that best is closest to what God would want. Yeah. And yes, you can know what God wants. And I was, oh, God doesn't care about politics. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he does. God is the designer of government. He's the, he made the family first, <laughs> then he established government. So, well, well, speaking of scripture, how does the scripture tell us to vote? What are the voting examples given in scripture? I can't think of any. There's not one position of authority in scripture that was a matter of the, the result of a vote. Um, all of the kings throughout Israel and Judah were a matter of succession or rebellion. Uh, in the case of uh, Jeroboam and you know, with the division of the kingdom, but after that, in a matter of uh, succession, you know, lineage, bio, bio, biological succession, and a few, yeah. Anyway, but never, never vote. And we get into the New Testament, written during the Roman Empire, which lasted centuries, uh, none of them were voting for the Caesar. Um, uh, And the succession of the Caesars, some was by lineage, some was by coup, whatever, but it it wasn't by matter of vote. I mean, voting happened in the Roman Senate and stuff like that, but the, the citizens, most of which were slaves, did not vote. So what do we have? What do we have in Scripture? We have First First Timothy chapter two, where Paul writes, "I exhort first of all that prayers and supplication and intercessions be made for all men, uh, for kings and all who are in authority. What that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. That's the end to, you know, the government. Not that." Not that, you know, pray for all men, pray for kings, all who in authority, that they may be super spiritual leaders that embody all the fruit of the Spirit and lead the church to victory. I mean, that would be a, that would be a, that would be a tragedy to look to a human leader rather than to Christ who is the head of the church. When it comes to human government and political government, pray for them that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life. And what's the extent of that? Paul says, verse 3, For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's, you know, that's why we should, we should endorse, support, pray for those governors, kings, you know, kings, prime ministers, presidents, wherever you are in the world, whatever the form of government is, uh, Congress or Parliament or whatever it is, that we can be about the work of the kingdom, spreading the gospel without, you know, without 
uh, hindrance um, in that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Yeah. So. And I'm convicted by that because, frankly, I don't pray like I should. You know, and and honestly, um, the Christians in America, by and large, haven't voted, which is why we've ended up with a lot of the policies, and a lot of the people that we have in this country. But I don't I don't bring that up to be condemning or anything. It's just a matter of fact. And it's a matter of record. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like. Um, you know, going back to John Piper, I know we're going over a little bit, but, um, I do think it's interesting that John Piper, who I frankly have never been a fan of, he, he falls into the reform camp and I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big, um, fan of reform theology as a whole. Um, and, and unfortunately most people that I met in that camp, um, in and I'm not, I, I probably shouldn't say what I'm going to, what I'm thinking, but, but most people in that camp tend to like to argue a lot and they like to think that their way is the only way. And there's like no grace or anything. It just feels really like, well, you know, if you're not reformed, you're going to hell and that's about it. You know, <laughs> I'm like, uh, just so you know, I, I love the Bible and I read it and <laughs> I'm not gonna, um, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not a follower of a person per se, but, but he brings up interesting, uh, things because what I'm, what I saw in this is that, um, there's a debate over how we should, as a Christian, what we should support or, or tolerate as far as, um, let's say just for the sake of the word sin, Arrogance is a sin. Yeah. Pride goes before the fall. I mean, we know Lucifer fell, right? That was the number one sin uh, that nobody really likes to talk about, right? I mean, it's just, you know, I don't want to admit I'm, you know, I'm full of sin or I'm prideful or whatever. Um, will the president's quote deadly behavior? I don't know. Um, but I have, um, you know, okay. So he, he, he said here, sins of unrepentant sexual immorality boastfulness, vulgarity, um, factiousness, I guess. I don't know. I got to look that word up and see what it means because I don't know what it means. Yes, I'm, I'm able to admit that. Um, in fact, you know what? Because it's driving me nuts. I have my little dictionary app right here on my phone. And factiousness. If, any, if anybody knows what that word means, I should. I'm going to look it up because it's going to drive me crazy if I don't know what this word means. Okay, so it's spelled... F-A-C-T-I-O-U. There it is right there. Causing faction. Yes. Given to faction, dissension, dissension, dissentious. A factious group was trying to undermine the government. Pertaining to or proceeding from faction. Factious quarrels. The origin is from 1500s, which explains why. Yours truly did not understand what that meant. Okay, so synonyms me are divisive, disputatus, disputatious. <laughs> um, you mutinous, contentious. I know that word. You know, I am pretty smart, but sometimes just saying. Um, okay, so so Piper is saying he's baffled over the fact that many Christians consider sins of unrepentant sexual immorality, boastfulness, vulgarity, 
and factiousness, which means uh, quarrelsome, basically. Basically, he's a divider, not a uniter. Okay. And the like to be only toxic for our nation. While policies that endorse baby killing, which is abortion, sex switching, which is the transgender movement, freedom limiting, and socialistic overreach are viewed as deadly. Well, they are, actually. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, technically, okay, well, let's just be honest. Okay, so biblically, if somebody is vulgar or they're creating dissension, you know, the Bible does talk about how, let's see here, how, I'm getting back to Periscope so I can get back in, how... If you hate a brother, then then that is like committing murder, right? You may as well if you hate a brother, then you're a murderer in your heart. So I guess you could kind of lump it into there. Sex switching, freedom limiting. I'm not I'm not really sure what he means by that. Um, I'm not sure what he means. Freedom limiting. Oh, you mean like freedom of religion limiting or? In, in all sorts of other ways. Mm. You know, the Democratic Party, basically with their, you know, politically <laughs> correct uh, speech regulations and other things, you know, that, you know, what you have to support, um, you know, is with federally funded abortion and, and uh, you know, hate crimes and all those things and could go on and on. Gotcha. A dem- Democratic platform is definitely freedom limiting. Okay. Well, anyway, so are all these things bad on both sides? Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. That was <laughs> to say they are all bad. So I guess you got to just pick your poison, people. You know, if you, if you think that vulgarity and unrepentant sexual morality is worse than murdering babies and genital mutilation and stuff like that well then vote for biden if you think that this is worse then vote for trump uh you know so which is why john piper didn't vote for either one okay you gotta look at the fruit right i mean um so yeah it's an interesting argument because let's talk about love for a minute this is one of the things that the christian left likes to throw out at you so the word love, um, you know, we could talk about love in the context of the Bible, uh, and there's numerous types of love, right? There's agape love, phileo love, there's eros. Um, but the Christian left, which would endorse homosexual marriage and homosexual, uh, you being able to be gay and a Christian, unrepentant, um, would tell you that love doesn't really have anything to do with what the Bible and how the Bible defines love, but that love is acceptance. In fact, tolerance has been redefined. The the word tolerance has been completely redefined to mean you either accept it or else. (laughs) Whereas before it would be like, you know what? Hey, you can have your view. I can have my view. We're still friends. You know, I think Rocky Road ice cream rocks yeah i do and i also think pickleball is the best sport that was ever invented it's way better than racquetball just so you know okay yeah and if you don't agree with me on that then that's it no relationship or as they said in seinfeld no soup for you people no soup actually you know 
racquetball is fine uh, if if you you like to play with the actual racket and a little rubbery rubbery ball and you don't like like the the awesome sound of a you know ball hit on there you know and the round holes and the slow dinking game you know see pickleball is really about control yeah it is it's about self-control it's about the ability to play a game at the net inside the kitchen you know so that you can then, you know, when the ball gets hit faster, then you can you can basically smack it and beat the other person. Whereas racquetball is about having really good eye-hand coordination and being able to, like, you know, you're like, okay, so I don't know about you, but I cannot play racquetball. I just can't. I'm not that good. I'm not that fast. I just, I, w- I would, I just, you know, it's just too fast. And, and you know, that's why... That's why I don't play it. And it's okay if you like it. You can play it. We can still be friends. But, you know, but before it'd be like, yeah. Although I, w- I do have to say that a lot of racquetball players are very aggressive on the pickleball court. And I think it's because they're so used to everything being super fast that their strength is in, in like really pounding the crap out of the ball as opposed to just gently dinking it in the, the beauty of it, you know. <laughs> Let's have a moment. A pickleball moment. Yeah, I could do a rap. No, just kidding. All right. Anybody on YouTube watching? I see there's people over there. Hey, well, anyway. So, um. Yeah, this piece watching. <laughs> All right. So, what I, basically the bottom line here is is that I want you to think about why these ideas are like being like pushed out there on the forefront um, into the world in the church. And I am going to say one more thing about social justice. And, and I've talked about this before and I forgot who it was that taught me this, but social justice has been take, has been adopted by the Christian left. Right. And I saw this about 15, 20 years ago. When I was in grad school, I graduated in 2005, when all of a sudden the sex trafficking movement became this big, th- this big thing that all the super spiritual Christians were all of a sudden caring about human trafficking and sex trafficking and, and social justice, right? Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go rescue somebody who's a victim of sex trafficking. God, I wish that somebody had been there to rescue me when I was going through, you know, the sexual abuse that I went through as a child. Only Jesus delivers, you know, he literally delivered me out of that. But when you begin to divide and say, well, you know what, you're not that good of a Christian because you don't support this. You know, we read in the Bible that there is a woman who worshiped Jesus and came to him one day and poured very costly perfume all over Jesus. In fact, the Bible said it was about a year's worth. She just came and poured that all over. Let's just pretend this was, you know, he poured. She anointed Jesus for his burial, and she was there and was anointing Jesus. The disciples were there, and they spoke out. Now, this story is actually told in two of the Gospels, for sure. And one of the disciples said, hey, you know what? All the money that, that she spent on this 
pure costly nard, this perfume could have been put towards the poor. Jesus, don't you know that? You know, what the heck? You know, she could, we could, she could have sold this and given all the money to the poor. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but Jesus said to that disciple, you know what, leave her alone. You're always going to have the poor with you. What she has done, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, will be remem- she will be remembered because of it. Part of the social justice movement is the belief that we're going to be able to wipe out poverty. We're going to be able to wipe out sex trafficking. We're going to be able to wipe out all of this stuff. And the reality is, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Jesus himself said, you're always going to have the poor with you. If you read in the book of Proverbs, it actually, there, there's actually Proverbs that say, you know what, the, the, that rulers intentionally stop food from growing so that the poor can't eat. See, my God isn't a God who created a universe and a world that he, you know, God, my God isn't the type of God who went, huh, let's see, I'll go ahead, I'm going to create, um, I'm going to create the world, yeah, I am, and then I'm going to create a whole bunch of animals and fish and birds and stuff, and, and then I'm going to create humans, and I'm going to feed everybody but all those humans. You know, I, I, I can't figure it out. How'd that happen? Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah, I'm going to create a world that can't sustain the population. I, I didn't think far enough right. in advance. So that's not my God. It could be somebody else's God. But my God, he didn't do that. But there are people that believe that. And it's, it's like, uh, no. But getting back to my point is that Judas was the one that made that comment. And who was Judas? He was the betrayer, right? He was the one that betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the cost of a slave. He was the one who who condemned Mary from worshiping Jesus. And not that he cared about the poor, but he used to take from the right. You know, treasury. He was a thief, right? So Judas is the father of the social justice movement. Because all the things that he advocated for Go against what Jesus was for. And so I would say to be very, very careful where you tread when you think about these issues. Because, you know, the number one issue, and this is, and this is I, I wish I had my Bible up here that I, it's downstairs. But I have, I have a whole lot of Bibles. But the one I'm thinking about is upstairs. Um, in Luke chapter 10, um, we see the story of Mary and Martha. And... Martha gets bagged on all the time. Poor Martha. <laughs> she gets so bagged on. Uh, people, oh, don't be a Martha. Hey, we need Marthas. Type A personalities, you know, you, just saying. You know, we need firstborns. We need only children. We, we need women who do stuff like far and above and beyond. You know, Martha cared. She had the gift of hospitality. But Mary was worshiping Jesus, and he said that that's better. He She was sitting at his feet and doing the better thing and that frankly is what we need to be doing we need to be considering the first commandment first right we don't ever talk about it but you might recall that the first commandment is something like love the lord your god with all your heart (laughs) 
with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your body, with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we fail miserably at number one, as evidenced by number two. You know, and so my hope and prayer is that, you know, just like Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, he wants his people to be unified, right? He wants us to be unified. How, how though, how can we become unified? We become unified because we're focusing on him and not on us. That's a hard thing. I remember when I went to camp one year, this just popped in my mind. Um, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and I had the blessing of somebody, I don't know who it was to this day, who paid for my camp. My mom didn't even let me go for a couple of years, but finally she let me go. And I remember going up to Christian camp and I don't know why this song always stayed in my head, but the lyric to, to it was, we live in a world that's trying to find love and hope with each passing day. And then it was um, the scripture. Love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And then the chorus was, Walk in the spirit, filled up with love. Let all your footsteps be directed from above. And then, and then we would go, love, joy, peace. Yeah. So, of course, I remember that right now, this moment, many years later. My point is that that first lyric was, we live in a world that's trying to find love. Jesus said, well, actually, John, I believe it was, John said that, that they will know we are Christians by our love. And we don't see that in the body of Christ, especially when you're talking the Christian left and right divide. You just don't see it. There's a lot of hate. And, and I believe that grieves God's heart. <laughs> you know, because the conflict comes with, well, well, what do we do? What, I mean, how come we're not looking at this? I'll tell you what you do. This is the answer. I have it, people. Yeah, I do. <laughs> The answer is that as believers, our number one priority is knowing what God's word says from cover to cover. And the problem is, is that biblical illiteracy is at a massively all-time high, and it shouldn't be. It's absolutely ridiculous to me that we live in a world that has gazillions of Bibles, translations. You can get them on your phone, your iPad. You can get them on the internet. You can get them on your web browser. You can, you can get them on little uh, thumb drives. You can get them everywhere in audio format. But who reads it? You know, I've shared this before. I'm just going gonna, gonna to end here because, because if, if you want to know why there's the divide, it's because there are people that really do take the Bible seriously and read it. And then there's those who don't. They, they think politically, not biblically. And that's a problem, right? So if you understand the beginning of the book, which by the way, experts today like to try to um, debunk, like, oh, Genesis isn't real. That was all, you know, a myth or whatever. Okay, well, whatever. And then they like to debunk Revelation and Daniel and others. And it's like, okay, you understand 
the scripture as a whole. You know, I cannot commend to you highly enough Josh McDowell's classic book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. This was a guy who didn't believe he was an atheist. And he was like, God doesn't exist. I'm going to prove he doesn't exist. I'm going to prove that the resurrection really didn't happen. And he set out on an intellectually honest journey to find the truth. And his book is that thick. And it's fascinating because he found so much stuff. And it's been updated and revised. You can't even, you can't even, like, I mean, logically, you, if you're an honest intellectual or seeker, you can't look at that evidence and not believe unless you really have a hard heart. I mean, it just, just the manuscript evidence of scripture is, it's, it's, un, it's, it's amazing. I don't even know how to say it. There is so much original manuscript script evidence for the Holy Bible compared to, you know, all the other things that we look up to, like Homer and all, you know, all these other guys that Plato, all these people, oh, we know they, they're so reliable. Are you kidding? Look at the manuscript evidence for scripture. It's massive. There's not like one or two or a couple hundred, you know, like manuscripts. There are tens of thousands of these manuscripts out there. The Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in the, what, 1940s, I think? Yes. Or ni- ni- okay. Right. The Dead Sea Scrolls themselves, that is a miracle in itself. How these manuscripts, you know what they were. They were the Bible. They're, you know, whole things, you know, have been found that God hid, and I believe wholeheartedly that he hid them till now, to the end of our, un, the end of the age. He gave us no excuse whatsoever. <laughs> no excuse. But the problem is biblical illiteracy is a big issue. You know that according to Barna, only approximately 4% of people who have been surveyed actually fall into the category of a biblical Christian. Only 4%. That's tragic, especially when you have a Bible on every corner and shelf and on your phone. All you got to do is go to version, download it. I mean, there's so many. Dwell. I just downloaded this Dwell app. It's really cool. I wish I had it when I was a child, man. I had to fight my mom to get me a Bible. I I didn't even have a Bible. My mom would not let me have a Bible. When I was a child, when I was a teenager, she wouldn't let me have a Bible. I had to get my friend Gail, who led me to the Lord, to beg her grandma for a copy of the Bible, the extra Bible that she had, to smuggle it to me in the high school library one day. And she did. I took that Bible and I hid it too. But obviously the effect of reading it changed my life. It drove my mom crazy. She's like, oh my gosh, you're part of a cult. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm saved. You know, I need to get baptized. (laughs) I'm reading here Romans chapter 6, mom. She wouldn't let me get baptized for a few years. I'm like, come on. You know, it says here I'm supposed to get baptized. Well, I baptized you as a baby. Okay, anyway. But anyway, my point is, is that there is no excuse. There is no excuse except laziness and lack of desire and unrepentant hard-heartedness to not know the truth, to not have it because it's there. It's, it's you know, the Mormons call... They, they have a book called The Pearl of Great Price, right? And, and there's a parable in the Bible about the pearl of great price, about if you lost a pearl or not to cast your pearls before swine. But, you know, if you, if you lost something, you want to go find it. Like me, I'm trying to still find Fitbit watch, 
you know, wristband things for my Fitbit, which I haven't worn in a couple of weeks because I don't know where the heck it is. I still have not found my Fitbit watch bands, people. You know, I need I need to go to Amazon and just buy a new one because I can't find my pack of 10 I bought. I don't know what I did with it. I just don't know. Um, but anyway, my point is that we can do way better. You know, that's why we exist. Bible News Radio is here. Not because Randall and I are so great. We're not. I mean, we're just two human beings who love Christ, who, who know what Jesus did for us. He gave us both a gift and we're just trying to offer it up to him as what we can. And if it, you know, if we've ministered to you, if God's used us in some way, thank you. I praise God for that because I'm, I know me and I know that I don't deserve what I have, <laughs> you know. Um, and those of you, you know, who've donated to us over the years, you know, you have no idea how much that touches me because, you know, it's a validation of, of like what you think we do is worthy. It ministers to you. And so, you know, if you want to donate now, actually, we're a nonprofit finally. It took me 16 years to get there, but hey, you know, now if you donate, you'll get a tax break. Um, Heart Tug International is our nonprofit. And, um, you know, if you want to donate, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give is where you can go to do that. Most importantly, though, um, we ask for your prayer um, because I know God will provide. He always does um, because he doesn't hate his kids, you know. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, right? You guys know that. Um, I would ask that you pray for this election. Pray, if you haven't already voted like Randall and I have, just pray and ask God, you know, to do what you do. I want to encourage you to get into God's word, though. Read the Bible every day. Make it a priority. Ten minutes a day. Just ten. Ten minutes a day. Not that long. You know, I mean, if, if you can't do ten, do five. But, but do ten. And in fact, a couple of days ago, I was sitting down and I, I was like, okay, I'm asking my Bible study to read 10 minutes. I'm just going to set 10 minutes. Boom. So I started reading the Bible and I'm reading. And then all of a sudden my alarm went off. Man, I'm not done yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do another 10. <laughs> you know, and after a while I just started chuckling. I'm like, you know what? I don't need this timer because this is so good that I can't stop reading it. Um, but you have to. See, here's the thing. And, I, and, and what I will tell you is that it's hard to work out, right? I mean, look, I'm going to confess, I have a difficult time lifting weights. It's not my favorite thing on the planet. I, I find going, like, finding a weight and going like this. Yeah, this is super boring, people. Yeah, it is. This is, like, completely boring. Ugh. You know, this is, like, one of the most boring things in the history of the world, lifting a weight to work a muscle. But it's the same thing with Bible reading. Unless you read the Bible, you're never going to get good at it. You're never going to understand it. So you have to take a little bit of time to do it. A few, a few minutes a day, right? Just do it a few minutes a day, just like I'm trying to with lifting weights. Because, you know, I got that middle-aged, fat, flabby arm thing going on. Um, if you need help, you need an accountability partner, I'll be your accountability partner. I don't care who you are, wherever you're at in the world. Email is good. We could just say, hey, did you read the Bible today? No. Okay, now it's time to read the Bible, just so you know. 
you can do it. Yeah, you can. You know, it, and that is, that really honestly is the difference between growing spiritually and not growing spiritually is if you're accountable to somebody and you're in fellowship with somebody. Um, community is very important. Um, and I know COVID has made it harder for some people to go to church and stuff, but at the same time, what I can tell you is that um, there is opportunity to be had should you desire it. If you want it bad enough, you'll find it. Okay. So May anyone join your Bible study? Anybody can join my Bible study. In, fa- in fact, my Bible study is in the book of Revelation. Um, and I just actually set up a, a link on my Facebook page, but I should tweet it out too, to where all you got to do is just go ahead and put in your name and your email, and then you'll get on my email list. I'm going to be sending out my homework again. It's every other week. I'm thinking about making a Zoom call kind of in between that week to not actually have it be the Bible study, but to have it be a time where I can maybe help answer some questions or encourage people that are struggling in it. Um, Because I'm not a Bible scholar, not even remotely close. I don't have any biblical degrees. (laughs) No. But what I am is somebody that can help you find that person. (laughs) It's like, there you go, right there. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, when I was a therapist, um, one of the things that uh, I learned was that if a couple came in for marriage counseling, um, most people who get marriage counseling, the therapist really doesn't help them. What actually helps a, a couple struggling, and this is what the research shows, is an older couple who's been married who mentors the younger couple. And, of course, the younger couple has to be teachable, right? I think it's the same way with studying the Bible. I think that um, an older believer should be discipling the younger believer. I think sometimes, you know, I think discipleship goes both ways, really. Uh, iron as iron sharpens iron right so um so we have that we have our daily disciples community that's kind of step one you know just get in that group and listen to the bible being read by the people that volunteered to read you know right now we're in psalms after psalms we're, we're gonna go somewhere else i don't know where yet i haven't decided but we're still in psalms psalm 119 we're still in psalm 119 <laughs> we're gonna be get, we're almost done though this week we'll finish it um but yeah, I mean, you're welcome. Anybody is welcome. I'm I'm never going to reject anybody who wants to come to a Bible study. Now, if you come to a study and you're somebody who wants to be disruptive and stuff, I will throw you out. That will happen. Uh, but I don't think most people are going to do that. So uh, anyway, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, well, anyway, I could go on and on, but I'm really tired. It's super hot in this room right now. I'm really hot. Um So I hope that this show helps somehow, you know, um, I think that I don't think we're going to have to worry about the future because if you're a believer, you already know the end, um, you know, so that's, that's my thought on that. Randall, do you have any other thoughts? Well, TRRN on YouTube asks with bible reading is it nice to have someone to throw thoughts oh it's never matter it's not a question it's a 
It's a statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, that's, I mean, that's why, why uh, you know, I shared yesterday, um, you know, I've been in this Bible reading accountability group for a while. Um, I mentioned um, uh, Pam Gillespie brought that up, invited me to it. And I was like, okay, sure, yeah, this doesn't fit in my schedule, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and what I can honestly tell you is it was the best thing I could have done for myself because I had no idea what I was missing. None. And, and the amazing part, and this is why I want everybody to experience this, the amazing part about that is, I don't know, 12 people, I don't know any of them except Pam, that was it. People from like jumping on Zoom at 7.15 in the morning looking like, well, we just woke up because most of us had, you know, and no makeup, hair messed up, etc. But here we are. <laughs> and all we're doing is saying, hey, what are you going to read right now for the next half hour? All right, well, this one I'm going to read. Okay, go to it. And then half hour later, okay, what'd you read? Who wants to share? That's it. As simple as that is, it's deeply profound and highly impacting <clears throat> because you are there with other believers, listening to God teach you, and then sharing a little bit about what God taught you. I think everybody should do it. You, you might not have to do it with 12 strangers, but I think it's great. Nobody like is like, hey, I'm a teacher of this. I'm super great. You're stupid. I know everything and you don't, blah, blah. Nobody did any of that. I mean, it's like, no, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I've learned a lot, actually. Um, and, and yeah, it goes back to Acts, right? And if you read the book of Acts, it talks about how they got together every single day. They're ministering to one another, meeting each other's needs, all that practical and spiritual, praying, fasting, etc. And it's lost. It's been lost in our church culture. I mean, I grew up in the 80s, right? I became a Christian in the early 80s where there was a midweek Bible study. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on at church every week. Everybody always went to church that Sunday night and Sunday morning. You know, that's what it was. Today, nothing. Not In most places, not, not anything. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Bible study in most churches. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so all that to say, that's, that's the answer to that. So... <clears throat> all right i'm very hot it is very hot in here um so thank you for tuning in i hope you have a good night we're gonna be back tomorrow night um and we'll see you then okay remember be bold stand up go with god think about what we talked about and most importantly if you don't get anything out of this show from anything we talked about the main thing i want you to get from this show is go open your bible and read it that's pretty much it because he loves you. <laughs>